and welcome to another episode of Hour of Healing. Friends, today our topic for discussion is going to be break by break, a systematic approach to creating wealth and being debt free. Once again, I'm your weekly host, Joe Deborah, and our guest today is a dear friend, Dr. Bright Ajay. Dr. Bright currently works with physical therapy and also in real estate. Talk about being busy. He's a busy man. But we're glad he's here with us. But most importantly, Dr. Ajay is a man of God who cares deeply about Christians and people of God making an impact in our world today. He is a husband of one wife and a proud father of two young children. Ladies and gentlemen, it will be a blessing for us to be able to have a discussion with Dr. Bright Ajay today. So break by break, what do we mean by being systematic in our way or approach towards finances? Friends, like many things in life, there is a systematic way of gaining your financial freedom, or in other words, creating wealth. There is a story I read a few years ago that talks about people when they have won the mega million in a few years after that, becoming so much in debt. And I wondered to myself at that time, how could you become a millionaire and then end up in so much debt? As we all know about our various athletes, professional players, who after making years, uh, millions of dollars of playing years in the leagues, and then sometimes we hear of them selling their trophies, selling their homes, and some even moving back in with their parents. I considered this and I asked myself, how is this possible? How on earth would you not be able to plan your life? But the question is, is it just about them not planning their lives? Who at all in their right mind will make millions and envision themselves becoming homeless at some point? So friends, I think the bottom line to this is that there should be a systematic way that we approach our finances. And that's why we have our guest here today to help us. So I know we have a lot to unravel today. So without wasting much time, we're just going to go right into it and welcome our guest. Dr. Brighter J, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. In life, we often want to get to a place where financially we are independent. But what is this idea or notion of, of financial independence actually all about? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, hopefully, the Lord will lead us as we delve into some of these things so we can make sense of it and try to improve our situation. So I think, um, like in life, individually, we have to have goals and expectations. And before we do anything, we have to kind of know the why of what we're doing. Because it's, if we understand that, that will help us along that journey. And so as an individual, each and every in person has to come to that conclusion or that understanding that do they really care about um, wanting to be independent? You know, when we talk about the systematic approach and trying to gain our independence, for me in this country especially, to be wealthy means you own your time. And so for that approach, what you want to be thinking is long term, what can I do that I can own my time? That way I can use it okay. to pursue things that I think, for instance, God has called me to be able to do. You know, we have the bills we all have to pay and everything. So 
a lot of times, sometimes I think people look at it in a short-term nature, but you have to look at the long-term because once you know the goal and the end, then you work backwards because that's when you can put a plan in place. You know, for a lot of us, some of it could be time so I can spend with my family, time that I can invest in myself, time that I can invest in others. So we have to understand the why um, before we can actually, you know, be able to stay true to that cause and try to, we don't just do it because somebody else is doing it, or we don't just do it because we don't understand it. And that usually means we don't end up all the way. But if we know why we understand it, that's our catalyst. That becomes the motive. Wow. Wow. Thank you for that. You did uh, put a lot of things in that short answer. Um, so we're going to try to unpack it. Um, you did mention uh, the value of time in there. So hopefully we get the chance to be able to get to that a little bit. And then the why. So um, let's uh, uh, start from this point uh, per se. So you mentioned that we have to know the why. We have to care about it. Now, um, for most of our listeners and uh, quite a, a lot of our young generation, most of us start our careers already in a lot of right. debt. And so the question then is, do we just not know the right. why? Is that right. the reason why we get in debt? So can you try to explain that a little right. bit? So I us? think what I've come to realize is a lot of it, the system is designed, unfortunately, not to get us out of debt. Part of the system is designed to get into debt because then that guarantees we continue to work forever, which means others can make money off us and exploit us. Sometimes not necessarily bad. They may argue, hey, I didn't force you. But, you know, when you only know half the information and you base your decisions based on just half the information, to a degree, it's a disservice. And so you're right. A lot of us where, especially if there's no help, you know, if you're the first generation, for instance, you know, that, that some Correct. people, there's no way around it to a degree. Now, we might be able to mitigate how much of it debt or how much debt we're in. But the, but the bottom line is, I believe like with anything, it's never too late to learn. And once you learn, you can always start making change from that day forward. And I'm also one of those people always believe in I can, I can. I can't, it's not part of my vocabulary. So, you know, I don't worry so much about what's past that I cannot change, but I do worry about what is under my control that I can implement from this day forward. And so, you know, a lot of us, as you get out of school, you know, some people you go to school, even in undergrad, four years, some people end up doing more than four years. And sometimes not because intentional, but sometimes they may mis misadvise. You know, an advisor will say, oh, I don't want you to overtake too many credits because it might be too much for you. And then before you realize it, Correct. you're going to school for five years and it's become such a norm now, you know. And so I think that the real issue and the real reason why this is so important is the generation, some of us have to learn that so we can undo some of those harmful teachings. You know, we because the more you and I learn, the more we can teach those that are coming after us so they don't make some of those avoidable mistakes. But yeah, no, sometimes, we, you know, you dealt or handed the... A card that's it's hard. There, there are no easy way. I don't want people to misunderstand and think, you know, most people might think maybe we come from wealthy backgrounds. You and I, we know. <laughs> we come from nothing. We come from third world countries, no help. So we had to do it the hard way. That's part of why we've learned some of the lessons along the way. So hopefully as we share with others, they'll be able to learn from our mistakes so they can do better. Uh, that's uh, you hit the nail right on the head. Um, but let me uh, pick it back on something that you said. So uh, we're going to talk about the graduate who is already in debt um, a little bit uh, more. 
Um, but uh, you also did mention some of the things that we need to know. You did allude to um, people going into school and then your advisor or your counselor might say, oh, don't take 18 credits, just take 16, just take 14. Um, and I think that really, uh, to your point, is a disservice. Um, so uh, what would be the advice or what would we say to the young um, person who is going to college now? Most uh, people that I meet, uh, they are in university, their freshman year, I ask about their majors and they say, oh, I haven't decided yet. Right. Uh, in, in a way, that is going to play right. right into the situation that uh, you just alluded to. So how would you advise right. uh, some of our young so listeners? A lot of my sense? young listeners, one of the easiest, simplest advice I learned, I, I try to share with them is learn money. Learn to understand money. Mm -hmm. The certain principles, they're there. Whether you apply or you don't, they're there. And so we're brought up in such a culture and environment where if you think of a career, we only think of one dimensional. I'm going to be a physician. I'm going to be a lawyer. I'm going to be, you forget that in whichever profession you are, it's also to degree a business. And to understand that business, you need to understand how money operates. And I believe one of the things in general, I have to encourage a lot of people is to learn and read more. You have to educate yourself. You know, and it's never too early to start educating yourself about some of those principles. You know, it's because there are some mistakes we, we've made that if we had known better, for instance, there's, the math will show you somebody who comes out and starts contributing to a 401k at 20 years. If somebody waits 5, 10 years and starts at 30, no matter how much money they put in, you probably can never make it up. So it didn't matter where you start at 20, 25 years and just put in 10, $20 extra is the principle and the point behind it, you know? And so a lot of it, I think is building that culture when most people start doing some sort of work, say in high school, learning some of the attitudes and habits about saving, learning how money works basically is very, very essential because I think that will also dictate when we go to school, we don't waste our time with setting majors if we, don't, we know we're not going to be serious with it. We, the whole thing starts to make sense in a broad spectrum. And I think a lot of that is based on um, parents or guardians trying to instill some of those disciplines sure. on their words. Yeah, yeah uh, thank you for that answer. So um, there is uh, this um, book that I'm sure you are familiar with, and then a lot of the people in the um, um, medical world are familiar with as well, the white coat investors. And one of the uh, things that the, they say in there is um, the idea that you go to school to be a medical doctor um, for so many years, nobody ever talks to you about right. um, money. Right. And the very moment you finish right. residency, you are expected <laughs> to be a genius or a guru Correct. with all the money uh, that uh, you'll be earning. Right. So certainly that is um, uh, a big issue. And thank you for um, kind of shedding some light on that. I know there is more we can say about that, but uh, let's right. kind of tie that in into um, the person who has graduated now and so has their degree in hand. Right. probably about to start work or just started work, but they have a lot of debt. Uh, right. How do they approach their debt? Right. So personally, I'll share my story because I was in basically a similar boat where, like we mentioned before, we got out of school and there was no help going to school. And so basically, undergrad, we could work and do whatever. But in grad school, there was not really much time to do that. <laughs> so all you could do is pile on the debt. So you come out and the first thing is to make that decision. 
like I said, what's the expectation? What are my goals? What are my plans? For some people, the debt doesn't bother them, you know? And so for that person, this might not make sense. But for some of us, the debt was basically tied to our health. I worried about it every day. And so then I knew for my health to get better, I had to do something about my finances. So the first part of it is now coming up with a plan, how am I going to try to pay down that debt? Some things sound very simple, but a lot of us, I think, don't actually put it into action. Budgeting. It sounds very simple, and a lot of us do, but it, it's, it's amazing when you actually do do it, what difference it makes. Uh, one of the systems I use was that cash envelope method. You know, we're so wide a community and society that everybody uses plastic, you know, and it's easy to use our credit cards to buy any and everything. I mean, it's convenient. But when you start understanding money and you realize, wait, that credit card has 15, 20% interest on it, you realize you're giving away. One of the examples I used to make to my wife, then I say, if we go to the store, we buy a couch. We've got a nice apartment. A couch costs $1,000. But it takes us six months to pay off that couch. Do you think it costs $1,000? Then she looks, no. And so one of the first things really I had to do, and I'll credit totally to Dave Ramsey. Literally, his template is where I used the total money makeover. You know, I literally had to list all my debt down. And there are two approaches. Some people like the debt stocking or snowball. And some people, basically, where you pay the small debt first, chip at that. And once that's gone, you roll that money into the next debt. That usually gives a little momentum because you see things actually falling off. Mm. There are others who also, you know, prefer to tackle the debt with the highest interest rate, which overall... But sometimes that takes a lot of while to chip in. So you don't want to lose the, the, the confidence. You don't want to lose that drive. And so for majority of the people, that snowball method works better. Where you look at all your debts, credit cards, student loans, write the amount, and you start with the smallest. So everything you make kind of is chipping at that debt. And it might take you six months, a year, two years, depending on how big or small that debt is. But at some point you realize that's gone. And there's some sort of feeling, you know, you know, but the idea also is as you understand this and you're trying to work at this debt, you're not piling on new debt. It goes hand right. in hand because then you basically, you know, punishing yourself. <laughs> so literally it's prioritizing, sitting there and realize if getting rid of debt is important to you. Look at first and foremost, what write everything down is very practical. The most successful people actually write things down. It's one thing to think of it in your mind. You actually have to listen. I used to have blank sheets of paper and I wrote all my stuff on there, wrote all my income on there and realized, okay, this is the plan. So I can get at this in three months. Let's go for it. When it's gone, I physically scratch it out. I still leave the paper so I can see it, you know, and then it's on to the next one and on to the next one. And it's a habit. And once you start going, it's hard, it's difficult because even as you do that, you also cut stuff back. Yes. You know, let's say before I used to eat out every weekend and I realized, guess what? I'm going to eat out once a month. It is hard. And that once a month to make my budget go a little further, I'm going to go when they're having a happy hour or when they discount the food. Nobody needs to know that. So you find little ways and means to try to save every which way. When you get a gift, Christmas, Thanksgiving, guess what? You know, but once you have a budget and you put one that's realistic, you know, because there are some people and all of us, we, we, we have little things we indulge in, right? Okay. We all have that. For somebody, maybe going to the movies. For somebody, maybe going to social, whatever it is. So you have to budget for that because if you don't, you're going to go two weeks and then forget it. 
you know but it's it's hard there are no easy ways around it but i've learned it's effective and it works you good, know good. yeah yeah, so I mean, uh, you, you you did mention that it's hard, and certainly um, becoming uh, free or healing. Right. And one of the principles of this podcast is that every form of healing that you need right. is difficult. Yep. Whether it's uh, this uh, healing from disappointment, right. from diabetes, from right. whatever, and so mm-hmm. healing from uh, debt. I right. mean, uh, certainly should be hard and is hard. Right. But thank you for that information. So you did mention budgeting, be, being smart with our money. Um, and things of that nature. So I actually have a very interesting uh, question for you um, that someone asked me sometime in the past. So uh, you out of uh, training, you out of school, you just signed your first big budget and you still driving your 20 year old car, um, which is uh, which has been working good for you. But then all of a sudden, three hundred dollars here in repairs, two hundred dollars here in repairs, right. five hundred here for a new um, uh, engine mount. Right. And so do you then go get more loans, right. knowing that you already have a lot of loans right. to buy a new car that will not be costing you those expenses? Right. Or do you write out the 20 year old car just as it is and continues right. to make these uh, weekly um, unforeseen, unforeseen or unbudgeted right. expenses uh, come your way. So uh, how do we approach that too? So I would say new and invalid commerce. So one of the things in the financial world you will learn is you never buy a brand new car because before you drive it up the lot, the depreciation, it's not. <laughs> so, <laughs> but when you start out, yes, you need a reliable car. Correct. That's, that's how I will quantify that. So, you can save up for three months and buy a used, reliable car. Mm. The idea is you don't want to stack on more payment on it. And so if it means working for three to six months and getting something affordable, you know, that for all intents and purposes, hopefully you're not taking any loan on. But if you're Mm -hmm. going to take a loan, let's say it's one that can be paid off in a year, literally between what you've saved and that, Mm. as long as it's reliable, because the, the thing is, eventually when you get there, you can buy whatever car you want. But I think that's one of the biggest mistakes a lot of us made. You know, as soon as you get that first paycheck, most people, that first car, that big apartment, you know, <laughs> they live at home with mommy. They really have no overhead and they go out and go get a brand new townhouse. So now your income went up, but your expenditure just shot. Mm. And that loan is still sitting there with compounding interest rate. That's think you you can get a reliable car, but you don't go buy a new car. It may be new to you, you know, because it's, an, it's a different car, but you get one that's used, but that's reliable. You know, there's a lot of data to let you know which cars are reliable. You, you want one within your budget where it might take you three to six months to save for it. And, you know, if you're not quite there, you know, in as much as you save it. So one thing I probably should have mentioned the last previously part of the reason why I did real estate addresses this issue. At some point, saving and budgeting is, is good. But at some point, once you realize what the task ahead, then you also have to find ways to generate what, more income. That's yes. what led me initially to even dive into a, a different profession. Mm. And so, because you, know, you can only save what you have. <laughs> or what Absolutely. You make, right. <laughs> and so I think sometimes it's thinking outside the box where you're not set up in, oh, my career, I'm just a lawyer. So that's all I do. There's so many other things. God being so good, sometimes we, we, we can't take advantage of if we wanted to, you know. And so once you get more, and it's always for a time and a season, 
you know, some jobs are stepping stone, but some also passion. So you can get that job where maybe you don't want to, but for that three, four months, you need that extra payment to be able to buy that car. I'm going to work at McDonald's and save that money. That's called my car money instead of going to get a loan. So there are ways around it. None so easy, but it's worth it. How do you start saving um, uh, if you live in paycheck to paycheck? How do you uh, stay motivated or right. how do you even get by paying these debts if you live in paycheck to paycheck? So let me put it this way. I can almost guarantee you, you almost never meet anyone where their paycheck is enough. Right? Mm. No matter how much money we all get, no one's paycheck is enough. So wow. some of it comes with <laughs> certain discipline. Because I guarantee that person who's living paycheck to paycheck for $200, if he's promoted and now he makes $300, will still say, it's not enough. I'm living paycheck to paycheck. Yet they were surviving somehow when they were under $200. Which right. tells you if the discipline is right, when they got that bump to that 300 they could have still been living as if they were making 200 and done something with 100 So that's what I mean by a lot of it is it's a behavior that you start building over time. It's absolutely true. Like we've all been there where, you know, before you get even the check, your debts are more than the check. The money, <laughs> yes, the make. money's gone. <laughs> so that's the part where then literally it's all about getting two or three jobs. I, I remember when I started doing real estate, a lot of people close to me were actually very surprised because to them on the outside, you do okay. Why would you go pick yeah. another job? <laughs> When I started learning about money and financial services and started getting to that, that became another job. So you end up where I have three licenses and people are thinking, what are you trying to do? But I'm trying to educate myself. I'm trying to learn something. You know, I think life is being a lifelong student. And so you start somewhere. Absolutely. If it's paycheck to paycheck, you start somewhere. But that is always a temporary situation in my mind. You look at it from long term and see how can I, what can I do, and how can I get from A to B. Sometimes the best thing to do is invest in yourself, and what I mean by that is maybe you have to upset in skills you have, you get some more training so you can increase your capacity to make more. Wow! You know, if it could be, you work at McDonald's, but you, maybe you can teach music. That's an avenue. You literally, I got to a point at one point, I was actually trying to teach English to Chinese students over the internet because yes. they're trying to learn English. I can teach that, Zoom. There are always ways to try to make something work. And look at it that it's for a time in the season. Yeah. For that time in the season, you need a lot of discipline, a lot of hard work, but it's a stepping stone. You're building something. You know, so yes, it's true. I think once you sit down and realize, hey, from this paycheck, if I look at my bills, sometimes then you have to downsize. We had a point where at one point we were living in a nice townhouse, but I realized I was throwing money away the more I understood money. So guess what? We went from that big, fancy three-story townhouse to one-bedroom apartment. Mm. So now the same me, even if I'm not making more money, it feels like I am because guess what? My right. expenses have gone down. Yeah. So some of these things, they're hard. You know, it used to be, let's say, family, everybody called you sending money. And now you realize, wait, 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 I'm wasting a lot of money. Doesn't mean I don't want to help. But the only way I can help them is if I'm in a better and a stronger position. Right. So for a temporary period, we have to tighten a few things. And then we can do better later. So absolutely. I, uh, uh, like I said, thankfully, I didn't have parents, you and I didn't, where they made some money. We came into some, you know, fund. <laughs> and so a lot of these things, I've had to live it. 
and it's not easy, but it's doable. That that's my overriding theme to a lot of people. You're not going to be upbeat for it every day. The days you want to give up, it happens. But guess what? You look at that goal. You keep looking forward to that goal. You pick yourself back. And you go at it. So. You know, you try to get a second job, third job, increase your capacity to earn a little bit more. And sometimes that may mean just investing yourself to increase while managing your, your outflow. You know, it's like math, intake and output. Yep. Yes, yes, yes. And I mean, uh, experience is the best teacher, right? Yep. Uh, I mean, uh, for uh, listeners who haven't lived this, uh, you listening to two people who have lived this, yep. Um, uh, and we are at various stages in our financial life. Uh, I am uh, in no way uh, close to no. uh, being financially free, but no. I know it's doable right. and I know it's certainly attainable. So thank you right. for that. Um, now, in the beginning, you did mention something about 401k um, uh, that let's say you start your 401k at the age of 25. Somebody started at the age of 20. And that five-year gap is something mm -hmm. that you don't really, even mm -hmm. if you're putting in extra money, mm -hmm. don't make up. Mm -hmm. So uh, how do we factor that in here in our process or in our desire to become uh, financially uh, free? Um, because um, I, I ask this question because uh, in, in, in most cases, uh, yes, everybody talks about investing in 401k right. once you sign that first big contract and things right. like that. However, there are some uh, CPAs and uh, mm -hmm. other people in the investment world who are saying, well, if you have a lot of loans, which you alluded to, mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. accuring interest. So mm -hmm. some also advise mm -hmm. that don't put anything into a 401k, right. uh, just go and take care of those loans. So right. what do you have to share with us right. as far so as that's concerned? That's a very, very good question. Uh, it comes back to as individual. Sometimes we, we have to make certain choices. So. The way I look at it, if you think of it, for instance, look at your loan. You may have a loan that's maybe $100. Look at the power of compound. One thing that I never understood initially was how can I have a loan of $100? I've paid $50, but I still owe $100. It's letting you know the power of compound. So the same thing. So with the 401k, the idea is it's not the only investment. But the truth of the matter is in this country, one of the safest ways long term to be financially independent is investments. Now, as to what you're investing in is a different story. But investments right. are what grow exponentially. So the idea is you get to a place where when you start, it's not about how much also. Again, I don't want to get so hung up on that. It's about building that culture, starting that habit. For somebody, if they have a loan, right, it depends on how much interest is on the loan. So I'll give you an example. I have a, a patient I was talking to yesterday. He was just bu buying a house. He went in, they asked for a loan for the house. And the interest rate was a couple of years ago when the interest rate was like 3%, mm. right? He could pay for the house in cash, but he elected to get a loan. Ask yourself why? Because he yeah, can invest why? that money to get eight, nine, 10% returns. So That's here true. he is borrowing somebody's money that's working and earning the money for him mm -hmm. so he's not even ending up using his own money that's what yep. i mean by <laughs> learning to understand the financial system so you know when somebody who's coming out loan again it's school two schools of thought is the discipline for somebody who might be like you know i have my map my plan i know i can take care of this loan in the next couple of years 
I'm going to get extra work. I'm going to do this. For somebody, getting rid of the loans makes them more financially or mentally relaxed. You know, the stress level goes down. So for that person, they might opt to go that route. Another person might basically do similar thing because it's not like they're not going to attack the debt. It's just they start some little bit going to the 401k because the 401k is not the end or be all. I mean, in any investment, you always want to diversify. So you don't want all your stuff going even in 401k. It's just part of the reason that's a big deal is if you work at a company, for instance, and they match you 5%, if you don't put money down, that basically means you're giving away the free money. That's one of the appeals of that. Because, you know, they're probably already not paying you enough. All of us want to be paid higher. But here they are giving you a little bit free money and you're living on the table. That's the bigger problem when it comes to that. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, uh, Dr. Bright, this is great conversation. And certainly um, we should, we are going to continue our conversation. Uh, and um, on our second part, we're going to turn our attention on building wealth. Um, but I certainly um, want to kind of give a few highlights that you have um, shared with us as far as this is concerned. Um, that one, um, the budgeting is very, very important that you cannot do this. You cannot become financially independent without budgeting. Also making smart decisions. Yes, it's one thing to have a budget, but if you're writing in there a bunch of brand new cars, a branch, I mean, there has to be a systematic way that you approach it and also you have to care about what you're doing so um i what i took from that is you have to know that for you to become financially independent being in debt is a problem and you need to attack it as a problem as a disease because listeners if you do not attack the debt you will continue to work giving your money to other people through interest and um, I haven't done a lot of studies in finance, but I know there is some a term that the people in finance use as pay with other people's money. And that kind of ties in with the example you gave us about someone electing to take a loan for a mortgage when they could use their own money to pay. And so I think uh, those are great, great uh, insights. Before we wrap uh, this section um, up on becoming financially free, Dr. J. Um, is there anything else you want to share with us on this topic so we can uh, go to our second part, which is becoming, uh, creating wealth uh, for the younger generation? Right. So I think, you know, scripture tells us in Romans to not conform to this world, but to transform our mind. I think that is such a powerful statement. Sometimes a lot of us miss the revelation in that because all this that we're talking about, it's about renewal of mindset and how you're going to go about it. It's trying to take ownership back of your life. And so it's worth making some temporary sacrifices to get there. And like I said, if you don't understand it, there are people around you that may not understand what you're doing. Friends, family, so many people, because they don't understand. We live in a a society of instant gratification. So sometimes it's hard for people to understand why you're denying yourself something you can have today. But guess what? depending on what your goals, what your future, what's important to you, you look to not just today, but you plan also for the future. You want to take back ownership of your time so you can make an impact. I mean, what you're doing now is trying to make an impact. And that's what we want everybody to be able to use their God-given talents to do in and around them, in their sphere of influence. So 
my thing is always to encourage people that this can be done you fall down don't stay there you get back up it's more than worth it wow listeners uh we are very grateful to dr brighter jay uh but he's not done with us yet we're gonna have him on for part two of this section which will be released next week thank you so much for joining us again god bless you bye-bye